Welcome to episode 30 of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. I'm sitting down with Jason Woodland. I'm going to let him introduce himself in a moment. You might remember him from the season finale of the last season of the podcast, my first phone-in caller. And without further ado... What's up, brother? How are you, bro? I'm doing awesome, man. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having me on the Dead Serial Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, last time we got to speak, uh, I was at the uh, Silicon Slopes Tech Summit. Right. So it was just for a, a few minutes or so. Uh, so my name is Jason Woodland. Um, I'm the founder and president of Woodland Advisors, LLC. So I specialize in uh, life insurance planning, retirement planning, long-term care insurance, and disability insurance. Um, also a partner in a company called Blockchain Adventures, and we wrote a children's book about blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Toshi to the moon. Toshi to the moon. Nice. Yep. And uh, you can find that on Amazon. So nice <laughs> plug there. Perfect. Uh, I am uh, currently the president of the Holiday Chamber of Commerce and also the president of the Masonic Temple Association downtown. And also a past master of... Mount Mariah Mount Lodge? Mount Lodge, number two. Number that is two correct. out of Salt Lake as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, do a couple of fun things and sort of that's <laughs> that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. Um, and you always have a lot going on, man. I and, do. And that's what was fun with you calling in and kind of throwing out how much you had going on just on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that right was Right before getting on a plane to go to Florida, I think. Yeah, right? I cruised out to Miami that next day. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Badass. Uh, well, I asked you to come on the podcast a little bit sooner than maybe I would have. We have a mutual friend, Carmen Harris. Yep. You're helping her out with a fundraiser. And on my last two episodes, I wanted to, to throw a plug in there, but felt that I was lacking the knowledge of delivering it professionally, uh, maybe is the right term. So I asked you maybe come on a little bit sooner. Cool. You unwittingly agreed. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, why, why don't you tell me what Carmen's getting up to, what her goal is, and how you're hoping to help, and how listeners can also help. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first of all, shout out to Carmen Harris. What's up? Two foot tally. <laughs> She'll get that. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, I got a call, well, a, a message from uh, uh, our other mutual friend, Jamie Smith. Nice. Um, this was maybe... 10 weeks ago now, uh, around there anyway, and she said uh, that Carmen Harris was uh, nominated to run for what is uh, what is called the Man-Woman of the Year campaign for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Utah. So what happens is about five or six people or so are nominated on both the, the men and the woman's side, and then they both put together these big fundraising campaigns. Um, so each group has a particular goal in mind to shoot for, um, that sort of kept on the down low within the team itself until everything is finished. Okay. Um, but whoever raises the most money, um, the out of the guys, the number one will be the man of the year. And on the ladies' side, whoever raises the most money will be woman of the year. And so what they do at that point um, is they put together a fundraising team. And that's what Jamie reached out to me for and said, hey, um, would you be interested to joining this fundraising team for this 10-week blitz? And I said, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I want to nice. uh, support a, a dear friend from many, many years back. You know, we all sort of grew up in the, in the hardcore music scene together and everything. 
and uh, forever ago, <laughs> forever ago it seems for sure. Um, <clears throat> so, and we've got a, a, a good team, a team of people, and then each one of us sort of puts together our own individual goal of what we're trying to shoot for, and then it's a ten week blitz for fundraising. Um, it started about three weeks ago. So I think, uh, well, maybe four weeks ago now. Time's sort of flying. But I think we've got six weeks left. Um, but things are moving right along. We're having some good success. There's different events that are happening. Uh, coming up, there's an event uh, that's going to be a yoga fundraiser that's going to happen at Public Coffee. I can't believe I forgot the date, but uh, I think I just got the invite for it today. But keep your eyes open for that. Okay. I think um, Carmen posted something on Instagram about that. What I'll do when I throw up the episode is I'll go check out that post on Instagram and get the date. Um, outside of that, real quick, kind of backing us up a little bit. Yeah. So this man, woman of the year, that's just for the link. link. Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, uh-huh. is that just in the state or is this a nationwide goal? Well, there's there's nationwide campaigns, but okay. this one is specific for this state and that money goes to fund blood cancer research. In the state? Yep, in the state. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, some very exciting things happening. Um, the next event that we've got uh, going on is uh, on uh, April 27th. It's a Saturday. Is that the one at Clever Bean? Exactly. Nice. So shout out to the Clever Bean Coffee <laughs> coffee Shop out in Draper. These guys are awesome. Uh, Dennis and Creighton are the founders of the Clever Bean. Um, dear friends. Um, and I think they actually interviewed you for your podcast, Always yes. the Journey. A bit. Yes. So I kind of got a chance to get to know them, if you will. Awesome. But when is that again? I interrupted. I'm sorry. No, you're good. April 27th. It's a Saturday in the evening, 4 to 7. Um, and then it continues on with live music. Nice. Um, but we're going to have a DJ there. In fact, that night, I'm going to be interviewing Carmen on Always the Journey podcast. Nice. So, yeah. So, and it's going to be live. So, we're going to have live mics. I mean, it's going to be it's it's going to be a fun event. Now, your setup's a little more professional than mine. Well, uh, I've also so. got a sound engineer that I'm hiring to come out to <laughs> handle some things, so it'll be it'll be pretty awesome. No, that'll be badass. Yeah. So we'll look forward to that episode. Uh, so we've got two events, the yoga event. We're yep. going to get the date for that. I'll put it up on the website awesome. when I post the episode to, to deadserialpodcast.com. Clever Bean coming up as well, April 27th? Yes. Okay. Uh, what else can people do to help contribute to this cause and help Carmen achieve this goal of woman of the year? Yeah. So you can go to uh, any one of our um, uh, URLs. Um, so you can just go on to uh, uh, the LLS, uh, the lymphoma, or sorry, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, if you look up on Facebook, just look up Carmen Harris. You'll be able to find her uh, uh, donation link. And okay. you can also look it up under uh, my name on, on Facebook. Just look up Jason Woodland. You'll be able to find uh, a post that I've made about it. And then just click on the link. It'll take you directly to a website. And then you can donate directly onto that website. Sweet. I'll find those URLs and I'll throw them in episode bio on the website as well. So, awesome. And if you so, want to write a check, you can make it to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society um, and if you want to write a check, you can uh, contact John, and he can contact me, and I can pick it up. <laughs> and yeah, what, what, however way we can raise the money, we'll make it as convenient as possible for you. And I'll drive out to you whatever needs to happen. 
Nice. Yeah. And you will. You always follow through on those Absolutely. types of things. <laughs> uh, is there anything else about this that you want to mention or you think that we should mention to bring a little bit more attention or do you <clears throat> want to save that for your interview with Carmen coming up on Always the Journey? You know, um, yeah, I think uh, it just in, in fundraising general, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of really great things out there that people are needing money for. Um, and uh, well, all I'm saying is that, hey, if you've got 100 bucks this year you're going to allocate to a nonprofit, um, think, you know, consider uh, allocating some of that money over to the LLS nice. uh, for this particular campaign for Carmen Harris. Uh, and then other than that, yeah, just uh, keep an eye out for those different events because they're fun to come out to. We've already had one. Uh, the last one was at uh, Tinwell. Um, it's Not a, familiar with Tinwell. Bar down on Main Street. It's right next door to Downtown Music. Nice. Yeah. So we went down there, and um, you know, I had some water because I don't, I don't, I don't drink. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but everybody else had a great time, and there was karaoke. And uh, I I haven't done karaoke since uh, well probably for two decades. Um, but there was an itch in me thinking maybe I should go up there and sing, but I didn't. No. <laughs> no. No. <I> <laughs> Just save that for when Judge is playing a reunion yes, show. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> I think we have Integrity coming up in May as well. Yep, that's correct. So. Yep. Are you going to go? I, I need to go. I haven't bought a ticket. I'm not 100% committed. I'll kick myself in the ass if I don't go. Well, then why wouldn't you just commit right now and go? All right. I will see you at the Integrity Show. Okay. Here in Salt Lake City in May. All right, sounds good. <laughs> done and done. Shake on it. <laughs> Shake on it. There done. It um, no, right on. Well, I think we we brought that up. Uh, got a whining dog at the door who we're not going to let in. <laughs> dog friendly podcast. Um, but we'll kind of save more of that information for your podcast, your interview with Carmen, cool. uh, where that's being live. I think we can just announce that'll be April twenty seventh as well. Mm-hmm. So people yeah. can. I'm assuming tune in via alwaysthejourneypodcast.com. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to be live streaming on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Um, and it'll probably be live on two or three different Instagrams and possibly a couple of different Facebook lives as well. Um, but that will be up on the alwaysthejourney.com uh, website. I'd say to be safe within 48 hours of the event happening. Nice. Yeah. Give yourself a little buffer time for exactly. editing. Smart man. Until you do a podcast. Well, tell me a little bit more about you. Or, or do you want to rap about how we know each other? Or your time growing up in Salt Lake City and your family with the Woodland Drive-In? Or what do you want to rap about, man? Yeah, I, I mean, really, it's uh, it's so wide range. There's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you and I go way back. I mean, back to the, what? Late 90s or so? Yeah, late 90s for me. Yeah. I was so. a New Jack kid, what, like 95? <laughs> awesome. 94? <laughs> yeah, so we had a, a good time growing up and, uh, you know, listening to, to, you know, wild, hardcore and punk rock music and having a good time there. Uh, growing up in the mean streets of Salt Lake City. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit different these days. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I, there's a lot of really good, um, a, a lot of great changes that are happening in Salt Lake City. A lot of great growth. Um, we're, uh, I was reading an article uh, just today that I posted onto my uh, business Facebook page about how Salt Lake City is is a tech hub now. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. 
So it, it's talking about how there's, uh, you know, some companies are leaving uh, Silicon Valley um, because of, you know, costs of living and taxes and all that kind of stuff that are taking place in California and trying to come to places that are possibly more business friendly or uh, cheaper in, in uh, uh, you know, rent for office buildings and that kind of stuff. And it was saying Salt Lake City and Boston are really popular places. Austin, Texas is, is blowing up along those lines. Um, but yeah, Salt Lake City is an ex- exciting place to be right now. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. I mean, knowing, I mean, if you think back to the early 90s, mid 90s, how much growth the Valley has actually seen, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the thing is, we virtually live in a bowl. You yeah. know, I mean, you can only go so far west and you've got Kennecott. Um, they own the, the all, most of the West uh, Mountains, Ochre, uh, the Ochre Mountains. Um, you can only go so far east because, of course, you can't just continue going up the, the mountain there. There's certain uh, rules and regulations there. Uh, we've already connected with uh, North Salt Lake and Lehigh. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we've, so we've already connected there. Uh, we've got the state prison that'll be moving from Bluffdale. That'll be going out around the airport somewhere. The new airport's going to be done in the next year, year and a half a or so. It's a huge project. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, we had the uh, uh, public relations director from the airport come and speak at the Holiday Chamber at, a, at an event about a year and a half ago. And it was really fascinating because, first of all, we've had obviously the same airport for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, the new redo, they said, will be one of the most technologically advanced in the country. And one of the most green. Um, if not the most green. I don't know. But he said it will definitely be up in the top percentages of, of being, uh, you know. Green a, energy. Yes, exactly. Nice. It just a, yeah. It's going to be a great airport. And I asked him, what size of this is this airport going to be compared to other cities? And he said it'll be on par with about this, uh, the size of Phoenix. Have you ever been to Phoenix Airport? I have been through Phoenix Airport. Cool. I don't think I've ever seen it from the outside unless it was through the airplane window. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of connections. Yes, Phoenix. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a major hub for sure. It's, it's not LAX, but it's a major hub for sure. Um, so that's going to be exciting when we have that done. We're going to have a lot more uh, positive inflow and outflow um, for the city of Salt Lake anyway. And of course... You know, with the, the the potential Olympics coming up in the next, uh, well, what is that, about that 11 years? 2022? 2030. Ah. Yeah, so it's a little ways out. I'm a little more optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, in my in my opinion, you know, we had a pretty successful Olympics. Yeah, uh, back you in know, 2002. Exactly. Yeah. And we had the old airport and that old infrastructure. Now we're going to have the new airport and newer infrastructure across the board. There's going to be more density, of course, which is uh, something that is uh, both positive and negative um, for a lot of these communities. Um, we've got a lot of the NIMBY thing going on right now, the not in my backyard. NIMBY. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, so that's interesting. But anyway, I sort of well, go that, off on a little bit of a tirade. No. I'm excited about the future of Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Uh, and I think it shows your knowledge when it comes to being a part of the City of Commerce for Holiday being a business owner, uh, being highly interested in digital currency. Is that the right terminology? Yeah, cryptocurrency, Crypto digital currency. assets. Okay. Um, yeah, because there's definitely a lot more to do with uh, the technology than just cryptocurrency in and of itself. Um, smart con- or not, yeah, smart contracts, decentralized applications. There's going to be a lot of uh, 
applications for blockchain technology in general when it comes to voting, when it comes to supply chain management, when it comes to uh, the finance industry in general. I mean, it's, it's got so many different applications, it's, it's, it's wild. And we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg of what's going to uh, transpire over the next five to ten years. So, nice. Yeah. yeah, disruption is coming. Let's just say that. And it's probably much needed disruption. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of inefficiencies, uh, not only in the marketplace in general, but in in a lot of uh, sort of internal processes when, with business and and supply chains and these types of things, where it's going to be able to cut out. Uh, uh, you know, certain middlemen or, or, or redundant processes. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of excitement uh, coming down the pipe with uh, both, you know, blockchain technology, um, artificial intelligence, virtual reality is going to be a, a game changer <laughs> to say the least. It's creeping up on us. I don't think people yeah. realize it. How no. crazy VR is about to, to get. <laughs> they actually don't know whatsoever. Um, a couple of guys I know are, are uh, VR developers and one of them is actually sort of subcontracted through NASA. He is building Mars right now, and he's building the solar system. So, so instead of you reading about Mars or Saturn in a book, you go into a, a VR realm, and you're standing on Mars, and now you're talking about mineral content and uh, you know all these types of things what? with Mars. Oh, it's that's the thing, is dude. What I'm saying is like. It's already here. Technology always moves at like lightning speed, right. but adoption moves dramatically slower. Well, obviously, because either it might not be a need in the marketplace at this moment, or we're stuck in a comfort zone, and we don't want to let go of what we've been doing. Right. Um, I finally am used to this. Now I'm going to learn something entirely to, new. Or the technology has forced you to move into that realm. And what I mean by that is, are you familiar with the adoption curve? No. Okay, so so imagine a bell curve, you know, coming up. Well, your listeners can't see my picture that I'm yeah. drawing on your wall. I see it. But uh, anyway, you've got your innovators and you've got your uh, early adopters and your late adopters. And, you're, you know, there's there's a handful of different things that are, um, that are looked at when it comes to an adoption of a particular product or a technology or something. The innovators are going to be... They're virtually the ones that are standing in line for four hours waiting for the the brand new iPhone. Okay. Like they're the ones that are willing to take the leap on the brand new cutting edge technology. They just want the new, best, fastest technology. Yeah, they're 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 the ones that are willing to take the risk. Okay. Um. So so in essence, they're the ones that are developing in VR right now. So they're they're way before anybody else on the adoption curve. At the very end of the adoption curve are what are called the laggards. <laughs> and, and it's it's a real word. It's funny. So the laggards, um, to, to really put it simply, would have been the people that were still trying to use Betamax when VHS was in full effect. Okay. Well, technology at that point, you, you could afford to be a laggard because technology wasn't moving that fast. Well, technology is moving at lightning speed now. So, in, and this is just my worldview on what I look at when it comes to the adoption curve, is that it's now forcing people out of that laggard uh, mentality. Because, so let's say your, your, uh, your smartphone, for instance. Uh, your smartphone hardware-wise might be strong and robust for years to come. The catch is all the software underneath it, all the apps and those types of things are being 
built out so robustly that the hardware itself can't contain that software anymore. So it now forces you to have to get new hardware if you're wanting to use some of those particular apps or if you're wanting to really I use the smartphone every the way time. it should be. <laughs> yeah, it's a catch-22. Yeah. So what happens there is that it forces the person that would have normally hung on to that phone for, let's say, two or three years longer than they normally would have. It forces them up into what is called a late majority. Okay. And late majority is the ones that are they're way, <clears throat> they're way late to the game. Whether it be, I mean, and there's a myriad of factors why someone would be a, a late majority. Either A, they don't care about the new technology and what they have that works has always worked and why change something that's not broken. Uh, they might not have the money for that particular technology. They might not, uh, it just might not fit in their worldview. Right. And it's totally cool. Like everybody's different. Um, I used to be not anti-technology, but not very interested in it. About uh, 15 plus years ago, I was like, you know, because my worldview on tech was sort of like, well, no, actually, this is probably longer than that, probably 20 years ago. Anyway, that's a whole different story. So anyway, what it boils down to I was getting excited for your opinion of tech back then. But if you want to finish what you were saying, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, I think at this point, since everything is moving so dramatically fast, you don't really have a choice, but to really at least get to understand it on, on a, at least a grand view or a, sort of a high view of it, because at some point it's, it's going to change most, if not everything that you're doing in your life and your business and the way you transact and all these types of things. So you may as well have some kind of an understanding of it. Right. So you don't get blindsided. So, yeah. All right. I'm trying to think uh, where to where to take the conversation next because we just kind of jumped through two really big subjects <laughs> yeah. back to back. <laughs> I don't know. People need a second to digest like I am in front of you. Just like, okay, right. Um, no, that's badass. Yeah. Uh, and again, I really think it speaks volumes to your education as far as being involved with the City of Commerce. Uh, obviously, Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Sorry, my phone was distracting me. That's no, all good. Using the phone <laughs> analogy, um, but again, being a business owner and keeping an eye on not just physical growth in our hometown here in Salt Lake and how that is exploding and how that affects everybody, good and bad, but also your knowledge and information regarding software, virtual reality, cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Man, many talents. Maybe at least I would like to touch base on real quick. Yeah. Freemasonry. Sure. Because I did, I think I met the first time I met you was like 15 at Classic Skating out in Sandy for some local show. Um, And then I didn't see you for years, well over a decade. Yeah. I filled in for somebody who was a representative for the Masonic Temple Association for my lodge, Argenta Lodge number three. This is probably seven or eight years ago. I was like, I know you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. We we met through a subculture, a kind of hardcore music and punk rock. Um, Straight Edge was a big element in our lives back then. Um, and then met through another type of subculture, maybe, yeah. in Freemasonry. Yeah, sure. I don't know if you'd define it that, <clears throat> but... Uh, 
what what got you going down that path and interested in Freemasonry and, and the craft? How long ago did you knock on the door? 14 years ago, to be almost exact. Nice. Um, in terms of when I officially knocked. Uh, as far as uh, what the history looked like then, um, I had a, a somewhat of a business mentor who is a friend of mine's dad, who is a big real estate investor and owned a couple of companies. And anyway, he was also, um, he was a bit of a conspiracy theorist as well. <laughs> and, you know, it had, had me on all kinds of wild tracks. But anyway, he was, um, you know, one of the guys that also thought that uh, the Freemasons were trying to take over the world and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, so I started reading more and more about that, and that was in uh, ninth, let's see, ninth and tenth grade. Damn. So I started reading a lot about those types of things, and then of course that leads you down the path of all different types of secret societies. So then I started reading and learning all about like the original Illuminati and the Chapter Three Twenty Two or Skull and Bones, as most people <laughs> know it, and a lot of these different organizations. And as I went down the path of Freemasonry, I actually found that, well, first of all, it was definitely not a sinister, you know, secret society trying to take over the world, um, but that it was a wonderful, great group of people that were trying to do better for themselves and do better for the world at large. And that was a big sort of eye-opener and inspiration. And so uh, my father and I actually went through the degrees together. And that was just awesome. a, a really fun experience, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's badass. It's just interesting to do you find certain people in certain groups or situations on a routine basis. So it's it's comfortable to know that I kind of know you from two different aspects that yeah. were huge impressions on my life and still are. I mean, obviously music yeah. is still huge to both of us definitely um and all kinds of music i don't think either one of us probably listens to the same genre all day nope not even close <laughs> that was no. one thing i was very thankful for growing up is uh actually both my mom and my father um were both into music my dad is a drummer currently still he even has a drum set <laughs> in his front room and people can catch up with you and your pops on episode one of your podcast. Yes, that is correct. Which we'll get to. Yeah, so thank you. So your dad was a drummer and your, yep. your mom? And my mom is a singer. Um, she has passed away now, but uh, she was a singer. She had her own record. Um, she was played on the radio. I mean, it was a pretty big deal. So I was always surrounded by music. And from a really young age, my, my mother, was. I mean, she had a record collection that dwarfed mine. And I think I've got 800 records. <laughs> I mean, everything from like... You know, first press agnostic front United Blood seven inch all the way to the very first press Michael Jackson Thriller Gatefold. Like two phenomenal albums. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's great. just ultra wide range. And that's the way my mom, you know, that's the way I grew up is is that she taught me a ton about music when I was little. You know, I mean she was teaching me about the doors and Led Zeppelin and Marvin Gaye and Curtis Mayfield, like ultra wide range, you know, everything from like old school R and B to sixties rock to seventies disco, um, eighties. I mean, I, I feel like I was phenomenally well-versed when it came to music and different genres. And so I was always really open-minded when it came to music. And nice. then, of course, like looking at music now, I, I have appreciations heavily for like hip-hop and, and even like disco and, and trance and, you know, all these different sort of subs, subsects of types of, move, or of, of music. 
because a lot of it derives from these other things. Oh, yeah. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's like, you know, when it comes to like techno and, and even hip-hop and stuff, you see a lot of derivative from from old R&B. And I'm talking stuff like Marvin Gaye, James Brown, you know, and of course funk and that kind of stuff. And yeah. that's just huge inspiration. And I could, I could, that could be another five-hour <laughs> conversation, so we won't mess with that. <laughs> Hugely passionate about music, though, for sure. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, Salt Lake City business, cryptocurrency campaign for Carmen. I'm trying to go down my mental checklist here. Um, (laughs) I think really always the journey podcast is something I would definitely like to talk about. Cool. Uh, you posted on your Instagram, a a picture of a microphone and I instantly messaged you. (laughs) That's right. I was like, are you you doing a podcast? (laughs) Yes, I am. I said, I also am. Kicking out a podcast. That's right, because we started literally within, a, what, two or three weeks of each other? I think it was like 10 days. Because I, I, mean, I think I said, I, I've got my first episode this weekend, hopefully. And you said mine next week. That's right. Yeah. That was seriously so cool. <laughs> and as I said in my, in my uh, first podcast, my inspiration for doing a podcast all to begin with was the movie Pump Up the Volume. Yeah. Christian you remember Slater. that movie? Yeah, hell yeah. Well, Hard Harry. 1990 or 91, I think it was. I think 91. Yeah, so I mean, maybe. it's obviously been around for a few minutes. But it's a, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, if you're interested in like pirate radio and that kind of stuff, that's the movie. Like, oh, you got to check it out. Is the movie. You have to yeah. see that movie. And it's about a kid in high school that's like all quiet in school, but then he runs this pirate radio station at what, like 10 o'clock at night. And yeah. Anyway, it's, you know, he pushes the envelope and just has a good time and plays good music and stuff. Anyway, that, I always thought, oh my gosh, running a pirate radio station would be like the most <laughs> amazing thing ever, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, and then of course, you know, you get busy and then, po- you know, podcasts have been out for a long time now. Oh, it's huge now. And now it's, I mean, Ridiculous. it's monstrous. Yeah. And uh, finally, I'm just like, you know, I've just got to, I just got to do a podcast and just have some fun and, and, uh, yeah, run my own like pseudo, you know, uh, uh, pirate radio station. <laughs> I, well, and I kind of went into it with the, the same aspect point of view. I don't, I don't know, but it was interesting for me cause you and I had a bunch of the same motivators and I did an episode a while back where I, I think in the first 45 seconds, I, I've got 20 to 24 individual sound clips mm-hmm. edited into one track, and it's the old school AM radio tuner. And I wanted every single time that quotations, air quotations, the dial was turned, it was a different sound of radio. And then yeah. I threw in Hart Harry was in there, Art Bell was in there, yeah. Phil Hendry was in there. Oh my gosh, those uh, guys. Paul Harvey was in there. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, the Mercury Theater was in there a little bit, and then some old school staticky version of Benny Goodman's "Sing, Sing, Sing." Yeah, took you into it. So. Yep, I remember that, <laughs> and I loved it. It was just so awesome. And the thing too, so uh, my mom, she grew up a lot in uh, Texas, Fort Worth, uh, Texas. Shout out to my Texas fam. Awesome. Sorry, Mansfield, no, Fort good. Worth. Awesome. Yeah, she was actually the the spokeswoman for Fort Worth National Bank. So she used to be on all the billboards and the newspapers and all this kind of stuff. And uh, <clears throat> when she came back here to Utah, she did a whole bunch of voiceovers. So she used to do voiceovers for all the major grocery chains. 
from coast to coast, literally. So like you could go to California and hear my mom talking about like Betty Crocker and blah, blah, blah. And here's the specials. You could go to New York. You could, I mean, 100%, every single state in the country, you could hear my mom's voice in the major chains. So when I was little, it was fun to, and this is also part of the inspiration of doing a podcast as well to sort of connect back to that is that uh, I spent a bit of time in, in uh, sound booths or at least in studios sitting there waiting for my mom to get done doing <laughs> voiceover work. It had to have been awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool because it gave me a little bit of an understanding of sort of how that world works. I'm definitely no sound engineer to say the least. Neither am I. I, I mean, think... remember what was it? I think it was my episode number two. I flatlined it and I called you on a Sunday in a, in a frantic. I forgot and I'm like, about dude, that. do you know anything about how to do this? Yeah. And uh, you guys fixed me up. Not you guys. I didn't do shit. <laughs> I, I think I literally just handed the phone to Jackie. Yeah. Like, okay, Jackie fixed it all. It, that's, that's exactly Jason's right. on the phone and it is, he can't find it. <laughs> he was in LA, recorded this whole episode with your buddy Charlie, right? Yep. And uh, it's gone. Can't find it. And she, I think, even motioned for the phone just like get out of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah. So that's she, she's awesome. She's a master. I, so yeah, shout out to Jackie. She's amazing. She, yeah, she she definitely saved me that day. I I had uh, a heart palpitation. I think uh, after that took place. So I would I would lose my mind. It's usually why I get my episodes up so quick after I get them recorded. Is because I'm afraid my old ass macbook here is gonna fry in the night and it'll be gone how old is that i'll say seven or eight years i might have you beat ah. 2011 okay so not too far off no that's pretty close these things are tanks oh apple kicks ass like you take good care of it man that i mean yeah it's funny because every once in a while i'm like oh man maybe i should get a maybe i should upgrade my computer and then i sit down and i'm like Okay, well, what is the reason to upgrade? <laughs> okay, well, I, you know, everything Podcast. that my app, your laptop, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I could use that as an excuse. But other than that, it, it rolls like tanks, so it's, it's rocking. Yeah, as long as it works. Exactly. Just don't lose your file. Yes, yeah, I promise I'll never do that again. I learned that lesson. I know exactly what not to do now. Nice. That that's the thing that's been fun about uh, doing the podcast as well, and just trying to learn as many lessons uh, watching YouTube. Honestly, yeah. I think I watched like twenty five different videos on YouTube um, on what to do and how to do it and how to navigate the post production and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I kind of winged it more than that. Uh, obviously, some YouTube videos in mm-hmm. there, but. I had a, a buddy who's actually was on the podcast a little while ago. Sam Derby does a brewery in Germany now, so we mm. kind of shot about that for a little bit. But he gave me software and a microphone a long time ago, and I just sat on it. And then one day, finally plugged it all in and got somebody push record Heather Caston to come over and talk about domestic yep, violence that. awareness and uh, down the rabbit hole from there. Yeah, but YouTube is a big game changer for learning anything the right way the first time in your personal life yeah <laughs> and i uh i'm I, I always say i'm addicted to information <clears throat> not junk information because there's a lot of junk information out there too um but you know i love to read i love to research 
but the most important thing is when you read and research is to figure out what those takeaways are and then put them into action as quickly as you possibly can. Nice. That's the way you're really going to learn it too. Yeah. It's not something that's come through your, your eyes into your mind. You're actually using your hands and applying it. Exactly. So. Yeah. Nice. So that's sort of how I roll when it comes to information. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, you're part of my French, but kind of a no fuck around guy when it comes right. to everything that you do. That is exactly right. I, I triple down on at everything. everything. <laughs> well, I, I try, you know, I mean, I'm definitely not a master at everything, but I definitely try at least. Nice. So, yeah. Oh, that's badass. So your mom's obviously a huge influence in your life. Huge influence. Musically, giving you kind of a niche for a studio feel or at least introducing you to that world as a young kid. Yep. You just kind of wanted to do a podcast in the vein of the Hard Harry from Pump Up the Volume. What's your podcast about? What do you usually have going on on Always the Journey? Yeah, so I, I called it Always the Journey because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when I look at uh, life, it's, it's a journey, right? Right. We're all on this wild path. We're all on this uh, floating rock you know, moving through space <laughs> and everybody's got a story. And so when I talk about always the journey, I talk about, well, what does that journey look like? What are those successes? What are those failures? What are those, what are the lessons we can learn? Because I think one of the most important things we can do is, is humanity is learn from the mistakes of others so we can do better in our lives. And, and so we can also help other people do better. Nice. So instead of continuing to perpetuate bad decisions over and over and over and over again and not uh, implementing a personal development path, um, being able to sort of identify those things. Now, of course, a lot of these things we have to learn on our own. We have to learn a lot of these hard lessons. I call it street university. Um, sort of like, yeah, entrepreneur. I think I've taken a few classes. <laughs> oh, I hope so because that's, that's the best way to learn, really. I mean, obviously, you want to learn as much as you can from others. But a lot of these things you're going to have to just sort of go through on your own, like the, the concept of entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, there's a lot of schools that teach entrepreneurship. I don't think that you can teach entrepreneurship. Okay. <clears throat> you can definitely get some good, uh, you can get some good uh, sort of foundational concepts and some good ideas. And obviously there's a lot of different types of terminology when it comes to the world of finance and accounting and these types of things that are extremely important to understand in, in the world of business ownership and entrepreneurship. Um, but for the most part, you have to do to learn. Yeah. And that's, that's how I look at everything in my life virtually. But um, the podcast, Always the Journey, is about looking at the granular details of that individual's path and what, they're, what they've accomplished, what they're trying to accomplish, what downfalls have they had? What successes they've had? What are they trying to, uh, what are they trying to get to overall? And you know, I mean, I've I've had now. Let's see, my father, who is an interesting character. I you know that episode was awesome. <laughs> well, thanks. That's Some of the it. stories your pops had to tell was rad to hear. And there's a handful of them that I was about to get into, and he was going like this, <laughs> like, "No, we're not going to touch that one." Um, because some, sometimes he's an open book, but it's sometimes, for the most part, he's not really. He's a good guy, but uh, he doesn't really want to share a lot, you know. That's fair. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, especially, I don't know if we touched on this, uh, he used to be friends with uh, Evil Knievel and Mr. Titanium and just some very interesting characters (laughs) throughout history. You had me at Evil Knievel. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And I won't even share some of the stories they got into. They were were, uh, my my grandfather and my dad and Evil Knievel and some of those guys, they were just a dangerous uh, group, uh, just getting into all all kinds of interesting... If if people are familiar with... Yeah, exactly. Evil's persona <laughs> and character. I'm sure they can kind of do the math connect, there. Connect some yeah. dots there. Who yeah, else so, have you had on? Uh, I've had uh, uh, Josh Perkins, who's a dear friend of mine. He's the executive director of the B-Boy Fed. Nice. Um, Here in Salt is, Lake City. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, they uh, it's a, a breakdancing consortium of B-boys and B-girls. And they also t- teach dance in some of these uh, Title I schools, and uh, it's a really great organization. Um, I've had, uh, let's see, Charlie Halford, which is a dear friend. Um, he lives out in, in uh, Los Angeles. He's an actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's done all kinds of fun stuff. And, well, yeah, I mean, just a lot of different people. Yeah, it's been, fun. it's been a good variety. Thanks. That's which is rad. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm, I know I'm at least two, maybe three episodes behind. Because you just have Mo Boxer yep. on, right? Yep, just barely yeah. put him up. Yeah, and, and he's, yeah, you got to check him out. He, you know, I think he's 23 now, uh, 22 or 23. Anyway, he's a boxer, athlete, you know, athlete, entrepreneur, just sort of go-getter. And, and uh, yeah, I definitely remember when I was 22, you know, I, I thought I had the world nailed. <laughs> yeah, how, how wrong were we both, right? Dude, seriously. <laughs> I mean, Whoa. I, I moved to Hong Kong when I was 22 to help build a business out there. And I thought, man, I'm going to crush Hong Kong. I've got this thing dialed. <laughs> yeah. What's up? Oh, yeah. that's what's up. Oh, what that's what's up. <laughs> yeah. What six, happened? Six and a half million people in the size of Salt Lake City. <laughs> uh, <laughs> endless skyscrapers. 22 years old going out there thinking that I was going to, you know, crush, crush it in business. And it was, it was definitely one of the, uh, one of the best growing experiences of my life and humbling experiences of my life in, in very good ways. Good. Yeah. That's super rewarding. It was, ex- yeah. The, I'd say the first month I was out there was one of the most, uh, uh, like, torn out of my comfort zone as you could dream <laughs> and realizing like how business gets done out there and and how methodical and, and how analytical and, and it moves a lot slower than here in America so learning that at such a young age was phenomenal so that's yeah, huge had you was. traveled very much outside of Salt Lake City before that outside of Salt Lake City yes but not internationally before that um, nice. so that was the first time I stepped foot on on foreign land so went to Hong Kong. The original plan was two weeks, ended up for almost four months. <laughs> yeah, because doing business, like I said, is, is a lot more slow. It's a lot more methodical. It's not, um, it's not the type of situation or culture where you go and make a pitch and then you say, well, what, uh, here's my recommendation. Do you like it? And no, it's, it's, it's very, like I said, methodical is the best word. It okay. takes time to build relationships. And um, how are we doing on time? Good. Uh, we got about 15 minutes left. Cool. Then I'm going to share with you a crazy story. Then. Please do. Um, so uh, a friend of mine named Alan out there, uh, his name was Alan Wong. Uh, at 1999 was the year. 
uh, at that time, he was uh, the number one Rolls Royce and Bentley salesman in the world. Like, he was the guy. What? And, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. And I met him at a car show out there, and I was trying to, I was, you know, trying to build a relationship to do business. Well, anyway, uh, you know, we'd become friends, and he brought me down to the car dealership in a place called Wan Chai. It's spelled W-A-N-C-H-A-I. Uh, and it's, uh, so Hong Kong is an island. And okay. the north part of the island is, I mean, it's straight uh, skyscrapers. Like, it, it feels like you're in downtown, like, 100% of the gotta time. It's going to be so badass. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So he, he brings me down to his, his showroom, and, uh, and he sits me in a Bentley Continental SC <laughs> Special Edition. There is 10 in the world. 10. He said, I will let you test drive this. And I said, thank you so much for your trust, but there's not a chance I'm going to do that here. I would have probably said yes if it was Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock on 7th East in front of Liberty Park where there's hardly any cars. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But in Hong Kong where it's like bumper to bumper, 80 miles per hour everywhere almost I can't all the even time, imagine how intimidating that would have been. Just not a chance. He and said at I, 22, 23 years yeah, old. I had my 23rd birthday out there. That was that was fun. But anyway, uh, so one night um, or one day um, he calls me and he said, hey, you know, I'd like to invite you to my home and meet my wife and we can talk business. Well, that's like that's a big, big deal um, when you're in the Far East. And I said, well, this is amazing. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you so much. Let's do this. So anyway, he picks me up in uh, a place called uh, Causeway Bay. That's where I was, uh, let's see, I think I was living, yeah, I was living in Causeway Bay at the time. And he picks me up in this crazy, like, race car style Porsche. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we cruise up into what is called the New Territories, which is, uh, we drove for about an hour, and we were driving, like, race car Fast. style speeds the entire time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, we are going a long ways away from home. So the new territory, so you've got Hong Kong Island and you, you go across the, the water and then you end up in a place called Kowloon and Chimsasoy and some of these other areas. All these other places I And you just continue no on up north. <laughs> and of course, the further and further and further you go up, then you hit finally the border of China. Well, it wasn't quite to the border of China, but we were deep into the new territories. So anyway, we get to his house. We pull up to the uh, this underground garage, and there's a security guard standing there, and he sort of waves him in and opens. And I said, "Oh, is this uh, I, you know, you, you is this your garage?" And he said, "Yeah, this is my garage." Well, he had six Porsches, a Lamborghini Diablo, and a custom van that he had never and, he, and the van he'd never driven. He said, "Oh, my wife wanted the van. I mean, it was like a team equipped style van. Oh, like yes. this thing was baller." And uh, he said, "I've never driven it though. Maybe one day." I'm like, okay, cool. So anyway, we, we sit down in his house and, uh, and he said, well, would you like some strawberries? And I said, yes. And he snaps his fingers and he has a, uh, a, a, a server in his house come over literally. I mean, it was like two minutes, all fresh cut strawberries. It was awesome. Do you know who Sade is? I feel like I should, oh, you but I can't recall. Should. Okay. So musician, uh, she was really big in the 80s. She had the song Smooth Operator. Yeah, okay. Okay, like, she's one of my favorite artists of all time. So anyway, he asked me, he said, he, he asked me, do you like Sade? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> he puts on Sade, we start listening. His wife comes home, we sit down. Okay, his wife worked for Donna Karen. You know Donna Karen, the no. designer? 
Okay, so Donna Karen, you've heard of DKNY? Oh, yeah. Donna Karen, New York. Okay, so Donna Karen herself, she worked for her. And that was just sort of surreal because, of course, Donna Karen, <laughs> I, I don't know what uh, as I don't know what she looks like in terms of a uh, designer. At this point in time, I haven't really followed her work, but I know in 1999, she was like superstar status. She was it yeah. for design. <clears throat> so anyway, we all sat down. Uh, did business and then at the very end he said uh, he stands up and he said thank you so much for coming to my home it's been an honor I felt the same and he said uh, uh, you'll just walk outside and about a quarter mile down the street there's a bus stop this is like midnight are you serious and we're so far up into the new territories it was almost like being on the very edge of like Harriman where there's no more lights yeah and to not see lights out there is you know you're in the middle of nowhere because there's lights everywhere. There's light pollution everywhere. everywhere. It's Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, and of course, right off the mic, absolutely. I thank you so thank much. You it's so an much. honor. <laughs> like I was so, I was, I felt very blessed to have had that, that experience in and of itself anyway. Yeah. You know, doing business as a 22 year old kid out there. So anyway, I walk outside and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do now? I look at my cell phone. I've got one bar left. <laughs> so I go stand at this, this desolate bus stop. And I'm just standing there just waiting for a bus that I don't know if it's coming or not. <laughs> where it's if gonna it's going to take, take me where, who knows. <laughs> so about 25 minutes go by. I made sure I made what I felt like was my final phone call before, not my final phone call, but my but final right. phone call before my battery died. <laughs> not before you exactly. expired, before your phone <laughs> battery expired. So I said, hey, I'm, I'm like way, way up north. I don't know how far off the border of China I'm in, um, but I'm in the new territories. If you don't see me by five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> like try to come and find me because my battery is going to die. And they're like, what? Are you kidding? I'm like, I, I literally have no clue where I'm at. Close the deal, though. Yeah, I close Peace. the deal. Everything's great. Positive, positive news there. So anyway, I get on this bus finally. And, um, you know, Hong Kong Island, uh, about 60% of the island speaks English. They push it really heavily. In fact, there were signs convenient. all over that said better English, better jobs um, on, the, on the Hong Kong Island. Because there was so much British influence. Because the British used to own Hong Kong Island. On a 99 part of the empire, right? Yeah. Yeah. They owned it all the way up until 1997. The the lease was over because they took it over because Hong Kong was a a major, it was sort of the gateway to the east and it was really big for the opium trades and all this other kind of wild information. (laughs) But anyway, so I get on this bus and and, uh, I I said, I just said uh, Hong Kong um, and they, yeah, they'd nod or they would say no. And then if they said no, they'd pull over and tell me to get off. <laughs> and so then I'd get off and then I'd get on another bus. Anyway, I played that game for, it took me about three hours and 45 minutes to get back to Hong Kong Island. And I, of course, stressed the whole time. I had no clue where I was going. <laughs> I didn't know directionally where I was. And I'm extremely good directionally anyway. I know my northeast, west, and south, but oh, it's yeah. nighttime. I can't see where the sun is to gauge where I'm at. <laughs> so anyway, I finally got home, and it was just sort of a, a wild experience, and it was it was fun. So I just want, thought I'd share that with you. No, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, what a cool story to tell, dude. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for you to say, as you were standing at the bus stop, you like 
pulled out the van from the garage or something. Was like, just fucking around, let's go. But no, no, you straight up. Nope. Like, there's a bus stop. There's the bus just stop. Out, down that way. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Well, it's so important for people to travel yeah. and to get out of their comfort zones. Which you mentioned, you were very much out of yours. <laughs> yeah, big time. But that helps build that character and that confidence and life lessons. Yeah. Kind of getting out there and applying yourself. I mean, even if it's just, I don't know, Scotland for a couple weeks with your family or go back east to Boston by yourself in your early 20s, which I did several times. Wouldn't trade any of it for the world. Yeah, no joke. Like, it's it's just, you. everybody listen, get out there and travel. Yeah. You have to travel. And the thing, too, that I think is extremely important is that it makes the world smaller when you travel. Oh, you know what absolutely. I'm saying? Because uh, you can read about different cultures, but unless you experience it firsthand, you're never ever going to have an understanding by learning about it in school or reading about it or having someone else tell you about it. You have to, you have to experience it. And that is so extremely important, especially in today's world. Learn other cultures, try to learn other languages, meet as many people as possible because my mindset is I have I have something in common with 100% of the people on the planet. And you know what that is? What is that? We're human. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm like we're all human first. So I look at it that way. I'm, I'm in common with everybody here because we're human. Second of all, think about all the other things we all have in common. We all need to eat. We all need air. <laughs> we all need water. So sometimes people are like, oh, well, I, you know, it's awkward. I, I'm, I don't know, you know. And in my mind, I'm like, you already have like a whole list of things that you're that are in common with everybody. So just know, like, we're we're all interconnected on some level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's I, why I, I just, absolutely dig that. Awesome. Yeah, I just I love people. I love trying to help people. I love learning from people. So, yeah. No, you're a unique individual for sure, dude. Well, thanks. So, and, and it's awesome to have you come on and and shoot the shit with me and kind of rap about a bunch of stuff smashed together yeah um i I do kind of want to recap carmen harris yeah leukemia and lymphomia society yeah i think i actually said it that time yeah yeah (laughs) you want to break down again just a a quick rundown a recap on that for people where they can tune in definitely uh so yeah again uh, uh shout out carmen harris um i'm ultra proud of you like you're you're definitely out of your comfort zone, rock and rolling, trying to get to that uh, woman of the year, which I've got mad faith in you. So way to go on that. Um, for those of you listening, uh, you can you can Facebook any of us, Jason Woodland, Carmen Harris. Uh, if you want to learn more, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I am sort of all over the place on social media. <laughs> you can reach me on LinkedIn at Jason Woodland. You can reach me on Instagram at Jason Woodland and the number one directly thereafter. I'm on Twitter is also is uh, Jason Woodland with the number one directly after. And then uh, Facebook is just Jason Woodland by itself. Um, feel free to reach out to me. Um, would love to connect. And uh, if you want to learn more about um, what uh, Carmen's doing uh, for uh, going after the, the woman of the year, uh, would love to talk to you a little bit more. Um, if you have a business and you want to be a sponsor, um, sponsorships for business, I think, start at 3500 and go north of that. Um, so if you want to write me a check for a hundred grand, um, I will give you the high five of high fives. 
but then, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of different opportunities for giving. You know, I mean, if you've got five bucks to give, that's legit. If you want to give, uh, you know, a thousand bucks and buy a table at the actual gala, you know, that's an option. There's all kinds of options. Nice. So, Get in yeah. touch, find out what Get those touch, options are. And, and I personally would <clears throat> like to encourage anybody that, that I know that would listen to this podcast to help Carmen out, help her achieve this goal. Uh, I first met Carmen about the same age when I first met you. I was 14 or 15, and LJ, Little John. Uh, I was a little bit younger than everybody else, and the older kids just kind of took care of me and started calling me Little John, which evolved into LJ. And, and Carmen was one of those kids. Super sweet girl, definitely deserves to achieve this goal, and I really appreciate you taking the opportunity, Jason, to come and talk about that because... Again, when I was trying to throw it out there somehow, and I just couldn't do it alone. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I appreciate. Um, I really appreciate this, and I appreciate what you're doing. You know, talking to people about all kinds of different fun things and and uh, different just issues and has that kind to be of stuff. Random. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, it's badass. People can find your podcast. I think I said alwaysthejourneypodcast.com, but it's just alwaysthejourney.com. Yep, just alwaysthejourney.com. Nice. Yep. Do you have uh, any questions for me before we wrap it up and I'd let you get on with your, what I'm assuming is a busy schedule for a Monday evening at seven? (laughs) (laughs) No joke, huh? (laughs) Um, You know, I uh, just wanted to say thanks, man. I I appreciate you as a person. I've always appreciated you. I think you're a stand-up guy. Um, I think you're an upright man in Mason. I think that uh, (laughs) uh, you've got a lot of value in this world. Everybody has value in this world. Absolutely. I want to throw that out, but I, um, you know, I want to say to you specifically, you're a valuable person to the human race, and I appreciate what you're doing. Nice. And I love you as my friend and brother, and and thanks uh, for having me on here and and having some fun conversation, and and most importantly, being able to get the word out about Carmen Harris. Nice. Well, then uh, I'm gonna slap you some skin there. That that means a lot to me, and and definitely much much love. Uh, and you've always kind of been there somewhere, it seems like. Uh, and it's actually nice to be able to call you a friend and brother. And I'm happy that I get to have that friendship with you. And it, it does mean the world to me as well, man. So thanks, bro. Yeah. Appreciate it. Right on. And that's another episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit my website, deadserialpodcast.com, in the episode bio for this episode. I will have the links to where you can contribute to help Carmen reach her goal. Uh, Jason, I appreciate you more than you know, bro. Uh, this song taking us out tonight is not one of my favorites, but one of Jason's favorites. I let him pick it. He reached out, got permission. It's all legit. It's all confirmed. This is going to be the Stella Brass, their song Click. Have a good night.
Explosion. Yeah.